to Good Night and Good Game, your source for geek news for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Hector. Hello. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about the wonderful Xbox Developers Direct. It was a heck of a show, and we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about it. Um, we may have some new listeners out there, by the way. I want to say welcome to the show. Um, we've been doing some great interviews over the last couple of weeks, and if that's how you found us, hey, hey, welcome. This is this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, we had a great interview last week with uh, Matt Webb uh, from Jackalope uh, Live Action Studios, where we talked about all the things that were going on with Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, if you have not heard that episode, I, I thought it turned out really good. Actually. Oh, I did too. Yeah, I got to listen to it on uh, on a commute. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was great. It was a ton was of it, information it, I didn't know. Okay. It, was it like easily accessible information? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Y'all did a great job of breaking things down into like, you know, really clear ideas mm. because, you know, this legal shit, especially when it comes to contracts, it can get so complicated. Yeah. And before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Uh, just a quick message to our patrons. I wanted to apologize. Uh, I actually went into to today, like waking up this morning, uh, with every intention of getting our next episode that's Patreon exclusive recorded for you. Um, a lot of shit happened at work that I can't talk about for reasons, and I got really slammed, and I could not get the energy to do both this show and the Patreon episode. Um, so I just wanted to apologize. Hector and I are going to spend a day and really just knock out a bunch of episodes for y'all back to back so that we have those, that content coming. Um, so we hope that you're okay with that and that stuff will be out soon. Yep. So with all of that out of the way, it is time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you have for me? Uh, a couple of really great video games. Um, now, that's what I mostly did uh, in the time that we've been away. Mm -hmm. uh, I started playing Sifu. Um, this is a uh, martial arts game. Uh, think like a character action game a, a little bit in the like Devil May Cry of vein uh, where yeah. you stand behind your character while they fight forward into enemies mm -hmm. but the game it feels so much more than that I've never played a game that made me feel so much like I was inside of a kung fu movie and how you having seen the game and having recently watched if you can probably attest to that yeah. it really feels like you you're, you're you know controlling the action in a kung fu movie mm -hmm. a lot of the time Absolutely incredible game. Um, long story short, the um, the idea is that, you know, someone harmed your father when you were a child and burned his kung fu school uh, to the ground. And now you're 20 years old and you're, you know, you've been training your, your, your whole adolescence and you're coming back for revenge. You have a kill list. You know exactly who you need to get to. Very mm -hmm. much like Kill Bill style. Yeah. You're putting together a board to find out how they're connected because you have no idea why they trashed your father's studio and killed him and all of that. Mm -hmm. So you go through and you play the game and it's very easy to die. It is a pretty difficult game, especially when you're just starting out. Mm -hmm. So when you die, you you age, you age up maybe like a year. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you're you're 21. Right. Um, and the thing is, if you die again, the counter goes up from one to two. And the next time you die, you're not 22, you're 23 mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. You can add a lot of the years to your life very quickly if you're not playing the game well. Mm -hmm. The game demands a level of perfection from you in order to complete it because... 
there are five levels and your age does not reset between levels. The age that you finish the last level on is the age you start the next level on. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, lose most of your years up to like, say like 60, 75 years old in level one, you start level two at that age. And once you get past 75, you're game over. You got to start over. Mm. So, you know, it, it takes its difficulty very seriously, but it also takes the way that it does levels very seriously in storytelling. You'll find things in level three or four that you realize you need to go back to something you missed in level two to unlock, yeah. things like that. So there's always a reason to keep playing, keep improving, keep, you know, honing your skills. It gives you places to practice if you're up against a particularly hard boss. It's just, it's a very, very well-made game. Nice. Um, love it to death. Can't recommend it enough. It's on PlayStation. It's on Steam. Uh, it's on the Epic Game Store. Uh, yeah, go play it if you can. Um, the other game that I played, I just started playing today because as we'll talk about later on, mm -hmm. it was only announced, um, yesterday and came out yesterday. Mm -hmm. This game is called Hi-Fi Rush. Spent about two and a half to three hours with it today, and ah, we are ah, going to talk about that one a lot later. I I am hooked. Is all <laughs> I can say. We'll talk about it some more later, and I'll give you some hands-on impressions. But everything else that I did while we were gone is just movies that we watched together. We're going to have some Patreon episodes on them, but I would like uh, just a really quick James to give me one or two words on each of these titles. Okay. Um, uh, the Legend of Drunken Master. It was fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you can't use that same one to describe the next one, The Last Dragon. How the fuck did that movie get made? <laughs> right? And um, finally, Ip Man. It, it was a journey. Yeah. It was a journey. Is awesome. what that was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you'll, you'll hear a lot more about how he felt about these movies in our Patreon episode. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can get all that wonderful content. Yeah, thank you. Uh, over on my side of the world, uh, things that I've been doing, things that have been making me happy. Uh, I played a little bit of Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, I'm taking my time with it. Um, I'm really enjoying just the aspects of wandering around the, uh, you know, the, the main area hub and talking to people, being social. I'm not like grinding it or anything like that, uh, but having a lot of fun. Um, I've been playing um, Crisis Core, yeah. the, the remake of Crisis Core. It is amazing. It is the PSP game, but done prettier. And um, I see that some people, if they're getting into it, not realizing that it was a PSP game, might be a little bit thrown off at the way that the mission style is, because it's these, it's these really quick successions of like very short one to two minute missions that you play mm -hmm. and you just do those back and it's mostly side content like if you blast through the story itself you'll get through the story fast but that's not the point because there's a lot of story that happens in those side missions you know you're between um big missions where you go out into the streets and talk to people and get side quests from them and do their side quests. And like you, you spend time in that world and that's what builds everything up. And that's, and that's such a part of the game that it's built into the mechanic of the game itself. There's a meter that's essentially a social meter of some kind that when you meet certain people, they'll become part of your like, you know, uh, combat wheel that, okay. that exists. Like there's reasons to spend time in the side content because it makes the, the main content so good. But I can see how somebody who doesn't understand that would go into it and feel a little bit thrown off by it. Mm -hmm. So just remember, it was a PSP game. It is beautiful. It is a lot of fun. I know that I'm going to cry again. I already see it now. Yeah. I know I like I cried the first time I played it and now like, I'm going to probably cry the second time I played it. Mm -hmm. It's that good. Um, you and I have been playing Grounded. Yeah, Grounded. Yeah, so Grounded, yeah. Grounded is uh, one of the few times that I will say that I'm actually enjoying a survival game because I'm playing it with my friends. Yeah, and, and that's the only way that I will ever play any of those games. You know, yeah. you need a couple people. You need, you need 
need a little bit of everything. You need someone who wants to, you know, gather everything they see. Yeah. Someone who wants to like build a pretty house and someone who wants to build a house 50 stories tall so we can make zip lines out of nothing. Yeah. You know, you, you need you need all different types to like come together and yeah, basically um grounded is a game set in uh, a garden and it's very much honey I shrunk the kids. Yeah. You are the size of those kids in that movie and you know everything is huge you fight ants you know three times your size and spiders 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 everywhere like super warning for the arachnophobic but also this game has amazing accessibility settings Mm -hmm. where it'll basically turn all the spiders into like smiley faces so so that you don't have to have your fucking arachnophobia triggered by these awful giant spiders Mm -hmm. every time they attack you yeah um, t- tons of fun. Having a great time with it. And the other thing that I've been doing is I've been working on my Vampire the Masquerade campaign, which is kind of an Austin by night. Uh, I had run in kind of, uh, I had run into a little bit of a brick wall in, in the story that I was writing, and I was trying to figure out what that was. Um, when I was a storyteller in Houston, um, I was born and raised in Houston. I knew everything about Houston. So writing a story that takes place in that city was very easy for me. Uh, and I realized, yes, I've been in Austinite for 10 years. I am officially an Austin person now, um, but I don't know as much about the city as I knew about Houston. So um, this is very niche, but I started diving into the ATX Explained podcast series, um, which is done by our local NPR station. Oh, yeah, it's a great series. It, it, the episodes are only like seven to 10 minutes. And basically all they do is somebody on the streets asks like, Hey, I want to know about this thing in Austin, whether it be graffiti or a random person, or mm. where did this name for a street come from? And they just spend seven to 10 minutes and just explain this aspect of Austin. I feel like I know the city so much better, just binging these episodes and just getting to know the city that I've been living in for as long as I have, but really haven't taken stock of how wonderful this city really is. Oh yeah. No, it's got a ton of history and uh, yeah, no, it's an absolutely wonderful series. Even if you don't live in Austin, you can look up KUTX online. I think it's just KUT and um, for uh, yeah, um, ATX explains very, very cool. It's if on you Spotify, like Austin actually. Oh, it's all on Spotify. Yeah. It's even better. Fuck yeah. yeah. Listen to that. It's great. And that's everything that we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break and when we come back. We'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid. The weekly raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time for the weekly raid, your news roundup of this week's geek news. Amazon has picked up a horror movie from this year's Sundance Festival. It's a Filipino horror film called In My Mother's Skin and is looking to drop in Q4 this year. Uh, the plot is set in 1945 Philippines at the tail end of World War II. The story follows uh, Tala, who's a 14-year-old daughter of a uh, Philippines, te- uh, uh, Philippines textile merchant, and they live in a war-torn colonial house with her sickly mother. Um, also her brother as well. Okay. Um, when the father, her father disappears to barter for his family's freedom with the Japanese, the family finds themselves alone in their isolated forest mansion awaiting his return. Uh, with her mother's condition, uh, condition rapid, rapidly deteriorating, Tala seeks out a mysterious fairy who has promised to protect her. The fairy is happy to oblige and gifts Tala with a magical insect to cure her dying mother. Uh, this provides the mother with relief, but later leads to disastrous consequences that forces Tala to make a distressing decision. See, this sounds like a, almost like a fantasy movie. It sounds like the type of horror movie Guillermo del Toro would write. It really does. I was yeah. definitely getting those kind of vibes off of that. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of whimsy there that, you know, that it doesn't strike me as horror. Well, and there's also this kind of classical interpretation of fairies, because this was something I was really into growing up, of, mm-hmm. you know, you don't fuck with the fae, because oh, they, yeah. are, they are dangerous fucking people. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely going down that, that into that territory. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. 
Yeah, so I'm completely down for that. Uh, it was announced this week that both Doom Patrol and Titans are being canceled over at HBO Max. James Gunn took to Twitter to say that those decisions that caused the cancellations of the show predate his takeover uh, and that he wished all the actors and staff working on those projects the best of luck going forward. I wish he could... I wish he could have saved Doom Patrol and maybe not. I, I haven't I, I like I, I'm at least a season or two behind on Doom Patrol. But what a fucking phenomenal show. And if it's you know, if it's getting to the point where, where it should end, then maybe he, you know, decided that that was OK. But probably the easily the best DC show. What, and it, one sound, of the best what superhero it sounds shows. like from what he's saying is like they probably already told everybody the shows were over before, oh, yeah. before he came on board. So yeah. he couldn't just call everybody back up and be like, hey, are you in the middle of something? Can you keep this going? Like it yeah. just wasn't his ability. Yeah, if he joined in and, you know, everyone had already said, you know, we're wrapping everything up, you know, write your last episodes and, you know, they're, they're already down that way. Stephen King's The Boogeyman was originally slated to come to streaming the streaming service Hulu this year. However, due to uh, an extremely strong test screening, it will be released in theaters on June 2nd of this year. Uh, the story is, quote, still reeling from the tragic death of her mother. A teenage girl and her brother find themselves plagued by a sadistic presence in their house and struggle to get their grieving father to pay attention before it's too late. Oh. So the most fascinating part about this is the fact that this was going to just be coming to Hulu. Like it, okay. when the deal was penned, they said, it's coming to Hulu. We'll film it. We'll put it on Hulu. Hulu yeah. exclusive. Call it a day. And then they did some test screenings of it. And the audience was like, holy shit, this is good. And they went, oh, wait, maybe do we want to release this in theater and make money off of it? I mean, yeah, that's the best way to find out. You know, it's like, oh, this is good. Let's put it in theaters. Well, if that's the audience test reaction, I'm completely down for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That yeah. sounds great. It was also confirmed this week that Tron 3 is finally happening. Um, From what we know, the project is called Tron Ares and will be starring Jared Leto in some capacity. Eh. I'm excited for this. I don't know if I'm excited for the Jared Leto part of it. I loved Tron Legacy. Oh, I loved Tron Legacy. Absolutely. But what I didn't hear is that we were getting... Death um, Punk? Yeah, da well, yes, Daft Punk. Right. But I, I really liked the main actor, and you know, oh, the, the, the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who doesn't love Olivia Wilde? She's directing these days, but still, like, greatest present a dad ever gave his son. <laughs> hey, son, I, I made you this. Right. It's Olivia Wilde <laughs> in a very tight outfit. <laughs> so. I'm excited for this just because I love Tron Legacy. Like, the first movie I can kind of take or leave. Um, it's good. Uh, but really, I don't know why. Maybe it was just the time in which it hit in 2010, just where I was mentally back then. Like, Tron Legacy is the the soundtrack that I listen to when I'm building computers. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. anytime I have to build a computer at work, it's like, throw on the Tron Legacy soundtrack and then just, like, build a computer. Yeah. And no, I, that's awesome. It's so much fun. And and that's going to be the hard part, right? Because now we are in a, in a post-Daft Punk era. Yeah. So... What is that soundtrack going to be? Who do you That's get? Really who question. do you get to come in and make a soundtrack as good as what Daft Punk did? Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, and they have to love Tron, <laughs> right? And they have to fucking love Tron to be able to do it. Uh, head of Marvel Studios Kevin Feige talked a bit about comic book fatigue this week during mm -hmm. an interview. Um, when he was asked about it, he said, "I don't really understand the question." Because to me, it's akin to saying after Gone with the Wind, well, how many more movies can be made off of novels? Do you think that the audience will sour on movies being adapted from books? You wouldn't ever ask that because there's an inherent understanding amongst most people that a book can be anything. A novel can have any type of story whatsoever. So it all depends on the story that you're translating. 
non-comic readers don't understand that it's the exact same thing in comics. You know what? That's really true. And for someone who runs the empire that he does, it's a really, really good answer. Because, I mean, you know, Marvel doesn't have as many of these kinds of stories as, say, like Image or even DC. But they do have, like, off-kilter stories and, you know, different runs that play very differently. It'd be great to see, you know, if they own these properties, you know, Marvel's... um, you know, Inhumans, or not not Inhumans, what am I thinking of? Invisibles or Flex Mentallo or something right. like that. See what they can do with that kind of money, adapting stories that psychological. Yeah. And not that they haven't. I mean, we do, I mean, uh, Legion exists, right? Mm-hmm. So and Legion technically a superhero. Thing. Absolutely. But, but not, also, if you haven't watched Legion, like fucking watch Legion. Oh, definitely watch Legion. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Hulu. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get what he's saying because I think that the, I, I, I didn't read the full article about it. I was just mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth between the, I think the, probably the interview was interviewer interviewer was probably going more for like, do you think superhero movies are going to get exhausting? But I mean, how do you answer that? Right? Like how do you ask somebody yeah. that does what he does? Like, Oh, are people going to get tired? Of well, that's the thing is like it, superhero movies. Yeah, maybe probably, but comic book movies. No. And that's really yeah. the business that he's and, in. And I want to throw a movie out there only because it's been in the news recently. Um, Road to Perdition. Yeah, great movie. Tom Hanks, Road to Perdition. That's a graphic novel, y'all. Truth, yeah. That is that is not taken from a book. It's taken from a graphic fucking novel, and it is one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, we recently got um, Sandman, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a comic. Um, yeah, which we need to finish, by the way. Yeah, we really do. Um, and for everyone who remembers uh, the, the, the 2000s, I, I mean, we had Sin City. Yeah. And, I mean, these are all comic books in air quotes. These are all these are all stories that can be told in this exact same vein. Mm. And if I were Kevin Feige, I'd really try to, you know, make, you know, Marvel Publishing hire a bunch of authors who want to make stuff like that in the Marvel Universe. But there is stuff like that that does exist. There's some really great even superhero stories that really fit that bill. I mean, hell, Logan basically fits that bill. Yeah, Logan absolutely fits that bill. Oh, it's a superhero movie, but it's really a Western and it's really more about the people than it is the... The yeah. mutant powers. Yeah, it was the Last of Us movie before the Last of Us show after the Last of Us game. <laughs> right. Yeah. But all the Last of Us stuff. Yeah. That's the other thing that we didn't say that we did this week. We have been watching. Well, we the Last have of- been watching the Last of Us, the TV show. Um, it's been good. It's very, very good. Yeah. Holy fuck! We're only two episodes in. Yeah, but so- I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna miss one. The CEO of Netflix was interviewed by Bloomberg this week. During his interview, he claimed that Netflix has never canceled a successful show. Quote, a lot of these shows were well-intended, but talked to a very small audience on a very big budget. The key to it, I should really have a better voice for him. The key to it is that you have to be able to talk to a small audience on a small budget and a large audience on a large budget. If you do that well, you can do that forever. There's a... So like lying through statistics, like like successful could mean so many things. Um, He's probably just talking about like eyes on the screen. Oh, what do I have to say to Netflix about this? Um, You're not going to get many shows like Stranger Things that like everyone with a Netflix account will watch internationally, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's just not going to happen. You you need to make a show well, and and I don't see you making any low budget shows Mm -hmm. 
you need to make a show well that speaks to a small audience and you you have done very good amounts of that ozark was phenomenal the get down was phenomenal i mean there's Tons of examples, but not everything is going to be Tiger King. And yeah. Tiger King can't be your example. Something that goes into the zeitgeist because everyone wants to look at something fucking crazy because there's a worldwide pandemic doesn't happen that often. Hell, even Squid Game is a fucking Oh, yeah, Squid anomaly. Game is a masterpiece, but Squid Game was expensive. Tiger yeah. King was fucking cheap. Right. It was all just, like, footage and interviews. And if that's going to be there, like, we need a, something that costs this little and makes this much, you're, you're, you're going to cancel everything that's good, which you have been doing lately. It's such an interesting thing because he's just like we've never canceled a successful show and it's like do you not hear the backlash every time you cancel something yeah i mean netflix used to be where you go for shows that were being saved from being canceled right and then they just drop them without finishing content creator i wouldn't go to netflix at this point no absolutely not i would go to amazon i'd go to hulu i'd go to somewhere where they would write me a contract that like there's a reason why flanagan left netflix after the what happened to the midnight club and is now going to be working on the dark fucking tower for Amazon. Yep. He got that Amazon money and said, I can do whatever I want, right? I have complete creative control. They're like, yep. He's like, let's fucking go. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And then it won't be canceled after two episodes. Yeah. uh, Every year, the Game Developers Conference puts out a state of the industry survey where they try and find out what is on the mind of game developers. This year, 53% of developers answered that they believe that the industry should be unionizing. On the opposite side, only 13% said that they should not be. Everybody else said either I don't know or maybe. I mean, it's not a lot of anybody else uh, with those numbers and... Yeah, the, the industry should absolutely be unionizing mm-hmm. at every company. Man, at this point, if I were them, I'd make it fucking sag. You know, I'd make it a nationwide union of fucking game developers. It's like, you treat us all right or, or fuck you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this is the this is the message that's coming across over the last year or two that we've been talking about this. We have gone from a time where when we were doing the show, there was murmurings of, oh, well, maybe we should unionize to last year getting unions to happen. And now people are going, oh, we should all be doing that. Like, yeah. We should be unionizing. We, we should be protected. We shouldn't have, you know, an Ubisoft cover up sexual harassment allegations or a Activision Blizzard King um, that has done unspeakable things yeah. that we have talked about at fucking nauseam on this show. Yeah, and then hearing about new shit every fucking week. We have an entire segment on this show dedicated to it, and we're doing it this week too. Yeah. Like... It is yes, when these when there are bad actors, you take care of it because these game developers, the problem is, and I, and I can't I am not a game developer, I cannot speak for all game developers, but I know the stories that I have heard through interviews and talking to people who are game developers. Game developers go into this industry because they have a passion for the craft. They want to do the thing. There's a reason why I have game dev tools on my fucking computer because I just occasionally boot them up and I learn to try and make a game because I love games so much. Mm -hmm. I am not good at it, but I also don't have all the time to dedicate to it that I want. But people figure out how to make games and they want to go into the industry. And more importantly, I'm speaking to Activision uh, Blizzard because I knew that when I was a kid, I actually had like written down in a notebook somewhere. I want to work for Blizzard someday. Mm -hmm. And it was a dream. I didn't realize that, you know, I could have just moved to Austin and probably gotten that job. Yeah. But, probably. um, no, like it's a thing where 
you know, these people left because they grew up loving Blizzard games. All they wanted to do was work for Blizzard. They went to work for Blizzard. Activision came in and took over. Not there weren't bad things going on at Blizzard before that. Let's mm-hmm. just say that for the record. There were bad things. Um, but things went south quick, even, even quicker when Activision came on board. And so we have people who have passion for what they do. And there's like a five to 10 year cycle where they'll finish a game or two and they're burned out and they want to go do something else. And that's, they're, they're stepping away from the things they wanted to do their whole life. And if that's not fucking tragic, I don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the industry like just works the passion right out of you. Right. Um, and yeah, the only way to protect you from that is to have more rights as a worker. And the only way to do that is to bargain with your boss collectively. So, Everyone just remember, unionize. <laughs> like, like, honestly, there's no other thing to say. Right. Uh, Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann spoke about the future of the company this week. Over the course of the interview, he stated that they were, uh, at least for now, done with the Uncharted series. Uh, but that he's not against somebody else working on that IP. So if there's another company that maybe wanted to make an Uncharted game. They'd be down for it. Sure. Um, and they, he also stated that they have no plans right now to make another Last of Us game. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, his like mentality about it um, is until a good enough story comes along, there's no reason to go back and revisit that universe other than for the multiplayer game that they are currently constructing. Yeah, and that's honestly the same thing he said after one when everyone was like, when's two, when's two? He said, I don't have a story for two. Right. I, as far as right now, there is no two. Right. Yeah, and that was the line right up until that it wasn't. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the way we have to take it. And who knows? Like, maybe because he is working on the HBO show, like, maybe he'll get some inspiration while he's working on it and go, yeah, I think I actually know where this is going to go from here. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Watch The Last of Us. Yeah, do that. So good. All right. It's time for the part of the news that never seems to go away. That's right, everyone. It is time for another round of Blizzard. Are you okay? Man, fuck Blizzard. Brian Birmingham, one of the lead developers at Activision Blizzard, has left due to a practice inside the company of secret performance evaluations where all employees are graded on a very strict bell curve. Because of the nature of these evaluations, oftentimes good developers are forced to be given a bad rating even if they don't deserve it. According to Birmingham, quote, Everybody at Blizzard that I've spoken to about this, including my direct supervisors, expressed disappointment in this policy. We at Blizzard pushed back pretty hard in 2021, and I truly believed we had reversed this developing quota policy. The Blizzard I knew and always wanted to work for is being torn apart by the executives at ABK, and it makes me sad. I truly respect the developers that I worked with at Blizzard. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the 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 biggest part of the story is my utter lack of surprise that someone who appreciates the people he works with would leave this company. Uh, from what I understand, he was having to do these evaluations and was basically being told like you're you have to you because the bell curve the way it is you have to give a bad evaluation to somebody and he's like my people aren't bad yeah no this person is doing great work if they, they're not as you know metrically productive as you would want on your plotted chart of points but they are an artist right and they're doing exceptional work with the art that we want it, it's good right so no they're not doing a bad job and i don't want to say so 
Like it's completely understandable. And, and I mean, kudos to this guy for getting out for, for standing on his principles. Yeah. It's going to be a rough go for Activision Blizzard King until hopefully this Microsoft thing goes through. And that's the really shitty part of the deal is that so many companies are trying to fight against Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King that there are people trying to make change from inside the house over at Activision Blizzard King. And they may not be able to make that change happen until Microsoft gets to buy them. And everybody's trying to stop them from getting bought out. Yeah. It is in the best interest of the people who work for this company that are being literally abused for Microsoft to come in, step in, kick the fucking executives out and go, right, so how can we help you? Yeah. Because we said previously on the show, Microsoft has a policy of if you want to unionize, you yeah. can do it. do it. Yeah. We won't stop you. We want it. We want our people to be happy. And if that makes you happy and it's entirely possible that Microsoft would come in buy them and they'll go, you know what? You're here now. We don't want to unionize. We just want Microsoft to take care of us. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, as long as it's going to be good, as long as everyone acts above board, what we know now is that ABK and their leadership does not act well. They treat their employees badly, that they barely understand the business they're in, as you can see with Blizzard releasing flop after flop after flop. Yeah, yeah, uh, like the the, the buyout would be great. I don't know economically and like the stock market, none of that shit matters to me at all. All I want is for Blizzard to make good games again and for the artists who like to work there, who love working with the properties to be given the freedom to do so because that's all they want to do is make a good game. Yeah, and you take care of your artists and you get good art out of it. Yeah. Oh, what a weird concept. I know, right? You know, take care of your people. It's like that for any yeah. profession. Take care of your fucking people and you get good work out of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I remember back in the day when Picasso was forced to work like 92 hour work weeks, <laughs> you know, on sleep under his desk to crank out those sunflowers. <laughs> right. I mean, fuck, man. <laughs> Unionize Picasso. Yeah. All right. Our last bit of news before we get to the boss room is, our, of course, about Activision Blizzard King. And that is that... Both World of Warcraft and Overwatch in China have been shut down as the Chinese company NetEase has rejected renewing their licensing agreement that allowed these games to be played in China. While players, World of Warcraft players, were allowed to download their characters locally, but with no hopes playing them on official servers ever again. NetEase took the breakup one step further and destroyed their Blizzard offices and even dismantled an orc statue on a live stream. What the fuck? Well, why does this seem so vindictive? It was hardcore vindictive. It sounds like... Well, like, like first of all, they're like running around setting money on fire, mm-hmm. but... I guess they just didn't want to work with them anymore. I mean, there were several Chinese uh, uh, OWL franchises. Several. Yeah, and that's one of the things we kind of need to mention here is that by taking down World of Warcraft and more specifically Overwatch, the Overwatch League, while we don't talk about it very much on this show, that's for our other show, Mm -hmm. um, the Overwatch League is a global organization. So there are Korean teams, there's American teams, there's Canadian teams, there are Chinese teams. European teams. There are European teams. And... Because these players who, by the way, a lot of them just signed new contracts with their teams to play in China and have now all been told you cannot play the game anymore. The game does not exist to you. If you want to play the game, you got to go somewhere else. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
We don't know all the details as to why NetEase had such a vengeance against Blizzard. Like, it sounds like they were trying to send a fucking message. They, to me. they were trying to send a message. Yeah, it, it sounds like a big like Chinese middle finger thinking, oh, you think you make us too much money and we won't fucking destroy you for not punishing your streamers in the U.S. for like allowing a Chinese guy to speak his mind in Hong Kong or something. Right. Yeah. It sounded like a big uh, find out moment after China told them not to do something and they were like, uh, we'll probably do that anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More story. We'll get more about the story as it develops. But as it stands right now, uh, anything that Activision Blizzard King is putting out in China, just it, it no longer exists. The servers are offline and, you know, and I don't play World of Warcraft, uh, but as somebody who was an MMO player, if I got to, if I found out at some point that like all of the hours that I put in my MMO character just are going to go up and smoke. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, I feel like so bad for the people who downloaded their characters locally so they can put up a little local server and grind a World of Warcraft server by themselves. I can't yeah, think yeah. of anything more lonely. Yeah. Shit. And that's everything that we have for the news this week. We are going to take a small break. Stick with us because we're going to get into our main topic in the boss room. Boss room. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time for the boss room. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week was the Xbox Developers Direct. It was a showcase of five games from five companies under Microsoft's banner. It was short, but it was a heck of a lot of fun show. So I just want to dive into it. I want to talk about all these games. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I want to talk about all these games. Yeah, yeah, I have a... I have opinions. I have feelings about I, these games. Uh, what, uh, immediately after I was done watching it, I, I got in and I on the Internet to message my buddy James here. And I said, this is probably the best gaming showcase Microsoft has put on, including every TGS, every E3, yeah. every Game Awards. This is the best showing Microsoft has put out in like a decade, maybe longer. And they did in 30 minutes. They did in 30 fucking minutes. Yeah. So this is kind of the culmination of we know that Microsoft has been buying a lot of companies and putting them under their banner and we didn't really know what they're working on or what projects they had. Um, so, yeah, let's just kind of jump into it. I want to start with the first one because the yeah. first one kind of blew my mind the most. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can't believe I'm fucking saying this. Mojang came up. And they talked about their game, Minecraft Legends. Now, they're working with Blackbird Interactive, and Blackbird Interactive actually does strategy games. Okay. Right? Um, Minecraft Legends is a strategy game. It is a story-driven online co-op. It's got PvP, which is about destroying the enemy base. Um, you know, a team of four or ever, however many... It's just like one would do in, say, a StarCraft or a Dawn of War, but you just are playing with other people and you're playing against other people, and it's also Minecraft. Yeah. So somebody can be base building, but somebody's got to go get the resources to build the base. And while they're doing that, somebody else has got to go scout the base, and mm -hmm. somebody else has to go, like, figure, set out traps, right? It's weirdly as simple looking as it, because it's Minecraft has the potential to be a deeply rich and rewarding strategy experience. And I never thought I would say those words in tandem with Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, I've never, ever been a Minecraft guy. I yeah. was a little too old when it came out. Yep. Um, and I never got into the, the absolute depths of the nerdery of that game. Yeah. Um, if you ever 
want to see a truly insane speed run look at some of the minecraft stuff but um never been my jam uh you know only known minecraft through easter eggs and viral youtube videos etc etc yeah. i watched this and i was like i want to play that yeah. i want to get a group of friends and i want to try this out this looks cool mm -hmm. and it, it just does like I, I don't know what to tell you minecraft fucking got me and I think the, the strongest point to this is they did reach out. They got to Blackbird Interactive, who does have experience in the, in the strategy gaming sphere, and said, hey, can we do a Minecraft strategy game? Would you be willing to work with us on it? And they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, we would. It's obviously, it's Minecraft. It's like one of the biggest yeah, know, IPs like in the world. Mojang wants to talk yeah. to me? Right. <laughs> yeah. And you watch, if you go back and watch the video for this, everything about this just looks fun. <laughs> it the really way, does. In the way that you and I were talking about Grounded and like how we don't normally do survival games, but, you know, playing it together, it's been an yeah. enjoyable experience. And you were saying earlier in the show, you are like, well, you know, there's one person who goes out and grabs the resources and one person who like builds the base. Yeah. And it's literally all of those same things except for in PvP. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I like the idea that, like, I can go out and, like, attack an enemy base at any given point. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome, honestly. And, and honestly, this gives a strategy game that is something for everyone, because strategy gamers are strategy gamers are strategy gamers, whether you're playing Dawn of War, whether you're playing StarCraft, whether you're playing Civilization, uh, whether you're playing XCOM or something like that. You There's a certain type of strategy player that has just... is they are just strategy players. That is, that is the way they play, which may, tends to make a multiplayer experience for somebody who's not a strategy player very inaccessible. Right. But with this formula, you now have a, let's say Hector doesn't like the strategy part, but he's happy to go out and get resources for us. Yeah. Or build the, the, yeah. the castle. Put me in charge of the castle. I'll build it so it's hard to get into. Right. Yeah. Like, that's fascinating to me. And that's an aspect of strategy games I never even thought about until they were talking about it. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, I play games like Civilization and... Those games are not accessible to everybody. They no. just aren't. No, they're and, really and, not. And even as a strategy player, there are games that are inaccessible to me. Like, I tried to play Crusader Kings 3. I was really excited. I heard really good things about it. And they have a Vampire the Masquerade mod for it. And I was Ooh. like, oh, I'm so down for this. I cannot wait to play it. And I got, like, eight hours into it. And I'm like, I still don't think I understand this game. You, do, you have not. As far as I've known you, I've never known you to make a Excel spreadsheet for fun. So, right. yeah, this is this is what happened. That, that's what that, that's who those games are for. This is EVE Online. And you if know? you are into that, more power to oh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we need you. We need your brains. Yes, please. We need your Keep brain. exercising them. But yeah, Minecraft Legends. I, I looked at this and I went, fuck. I'm glad I have Game Pass. Yeah, holy shit. I know, right? And I'm going to talk about uh, that a little bit more once we get to the end, but fucking Game Pass. Right? Uh, you know, then we had uh, Turn 10 Studios who showed up, and it was Forza. Mm -hmm. Because it's a Microsoft conference, and it's got to have some Forza. And it's hard to talk about Forza without saying the same thing that you've always said about Forza, which is, it's more cars. It's better physics. They're going to be replicating their tracks perfectly to the way that they're built in real life. Ooh, yeah. Like, they had an entire segment that's just like, yeah, we went out and have, like, three terabytes of pictures of this one track just to make sure every rock is in its place. Oh. And I get it. Like, you know, Forza, not for me. But, man, if I don't watch the Forza presentation every year and go, fuck, that looks good. Yep. Every time I see one of those games, all I can think is, I really want to go to someone's house who loves this. Right. And I want to, I, 
I want to sit in their racing chair on their like full like Hoda's like fucking wheel setup, right? With the gas pedals and the vibrating chair and the wraparound screen. Mm-hmm. I want to play that game for like an hour while he geeks out and tells me car statistics. Right. Yeah. I would love that. I'm I'm not a person that would do that myself, but God, if I had a friend that was like that, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll come over and fucking play your car game. Let's Fuck yeah. do it. Like, but everything about Forza is just always con- consistently good and consistently impressive. And I think that that's the one thing that we always we always tend to gloss over Forza when we watch the Game Awards or watch uh, E3 or anything like that. Yeah, you know, car because, games are easy you know, to make pretty. Like, and we like, don't. I have said yeah. often in the past, Forza might get up and go have a cigarette. Yeah, part of the evening, part of the thing, and I'm trying to quit smoking right now, so I won't get to do that. But Forza is your get up and have a cigarette, go take a, a pee break or something like that. For sure, um, for us, but not for everybody else. Yeah, and yet consistently every year that I watch an E3, I will watch some of the Forza stuff, and I'm like, you know, not for me, but fuck, man. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like the the innovations you are making in the racing gaming sphere, you are the you are the bar now. It used to be Gran Turismo. You are now the bar for racing games. Pretty much, yeah. You know, Gran Turismo is trying their best, but you know, Yeah, they've had a few missteps along the way for sure. Yeah. So, next up was and this is one you've been wanting to talk about, Tango Gameworks. So, Hector, take it, take take it from me. Yeah, so so they started showing this trailer during the show, and it was a beautiful, crisp, stylized animation with a um, you know not so serious kid who really wants to be a rock star, and he seems like kind of an underperformer walking through the dystopian future, applying for a job, and not liking what he sees. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trailer ends with him being processed by this company and given, um, you know, a prosthetic arm. Remember, this is kind of a cyberpunk future, mm-hmm. this dystopia. Given a, a yeah, a, a, a cybernetic arm, but his music player that he listens to all of his rock music in accidentally gets implanted into his chest and makes his entire body and everything around him move to the same beat. So what you have is a Devil May Cry style character action game that is a rhythm game. Now, since I've put about two hours into this game so far, I'm going to tell you a little about a bit about it because it's called Hi-Fi Rush. It's called Hi-Fi Rush. And they did this thing where they made a rhythm game that is completely accessible to people without any rhythm at all. It is a character action game in that you need to be able to pull off combos. But... If you pull off the combo to the correct beat, you will astronomically propel your damage and your combo counters and your score into the stratosphere. The game feels happier when you're on beat. Everything in this world and something about this studio um, using the directors of like Evil Within and they're like incredible. Oh, we didn't even mention that. Like the, yeah. like Shinji Mikami is yeah. like the executive producer for this. Yeah, and in the trailer, he straight up looks at the game's director and says, well, I would never have thought to make this game and, 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 and it's pretty great. And he, playing it, the game just responds to the beat. Everything in the game, everything in the art style, all of the moving components in the cybertongue dystopia all, all all move to the beat of whatever song is happening and whatever level you're in. And I want to point out that this is what I would call a lighthearted cyberpunk. Oh, yes. This, yes. Is, not, this is very bright colors. This is not the dirty, gritty, yeah. neon city. It has still got the cyberpunk elements. It has got robotic implants. It's got an evil corporation that's mm-hmm. doing horrible things to horrible people. Yes, but, but, but they're all very funny. Like, like at one point in the trailer, you get like the board who's like looking down at like 
what's supposed to be the boss you just beat, but it's you like holding a trophy of theirs. Mm. And you know, the, the, the boss members are all named like Rockford and Mimosa. And like, you know, it's, it's very lighthearted and very funny. You only fight robots. You're yeah. not spilling any blood. Your character is completely lighthearted and barely knows what's going on, but he has a little cat companion, and the cat's also a robot that follows him around and flashes to which, the beat, which, so you don't lose track of the beat. By the way, 10 out of 10, cat robot also can pet the cat. Oh yeah, can pet the cat. Every time you go on a mission, there is an option to just play with a cat for a minute before you leave, yeah. and you do it. Because it it didn't reward you for anything, but I've never not pressed that button so right. far, and I'm going to continue to press it. Um, so far I've unlocked several combos that get very complicated. Performing them on the beat feels incredibly satisfying. I had this thought while I was playing the game, and I was surprised when I had it. But when I beat the second boss, I thought to myself, "This is the best game of." out music not, not 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 like necessarily a rhythm game because there's been a lot of really great rhythm games lately mm -hmm. but the best game specifically about music and the love of music since brutal legend mm -hmm. and like that means so much to me because i fucking love brutal legend as far as like an homage to the music well, that we love you've been playing it and we should point out the fact that this game oh yeah was announced the trailer was shown and they're like oh yeah by the way once this thing's over with you can just go play it yeah 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 we need to like like not put like uh, enough of a point on that this is the first time i had ever seen a trailer for this game mm. um and even in the video they said hopefully if this didn't leak um uh then this is the first time you're seeing this game and you can play it tonight and i downloaded it that very evening mm. and that is wild and, and you know it had such an incredible impact on me because there was no hype train. There was just a game that I could download and let it speak for itself. I didn't go in with very high expectations. And what I found only played up and up and up to that expectation to the point where I'm thinking, holy crap, why didn't they advertise this? You know, maybe they robbed themselves. But really, honestly, what happened is every person who plays that game, since they didn't have a media impression, is going to meet it on its own terms and on their own bias. And I think it's going to be very popular. Because yeah. I fucking loved it. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, put this in my veins. And so were a lot of people. I knew because I, I was watching this presentation before you did. Yeah. And I literally messaged you and went, there's one game in this thing you're going to love. Yeah. And this is the one. And I do love it. And it's only gotten better since. I started playing it and I can't wait to go home and play it some more. And the, the, the reaction online seems to be pretty positive and even more importantly, other rhythm games are commenting about this rhythm game. Yeah, I've seen a skill up posted about how much he wanted to play this game and very excited when he found out it was coming out the same day. And he got a Metal Hellsinger, um, the, the official Twitter account posted. He said, that's great. We need more rhythm games and this seems like a great one. And uh, yeah, I, I just love... There was just love in the community. Yeah. It wasn't a competition or anything. It was just, yay, more rhythm games more music games like yeah and and I, and I can't stress enough how great the music to this game is there's some licensed stuff so far i've got stuff from trent reznor nine inch nails some i've gotten stuff they never even advertised that no they didn't um the the, the song that opens the game is uh, lonely boy by um the black keys wow. uh, yeah and like they got they have big good music in this and the game actually does work to these beats but every they level has its own song any of that no, yeah. yeah there's great artists in this game wow. it's good shit it's really 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 good can't stress it enough Dude, if you have game pass play it on xbox or on pc download this game and play it i want them to know how much we love this because i love it
Next up, we had Zenimax come out, and uh, we kind of thought this was going to be like one of their Starfall presentations or something. Like that. Oh yeah, uh, but no, Zenimax came out, and they were like, "Are you Bethesda is, is a yeah. subsidiary of Zenimax?" So I didn't know what they were going to be showing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Zenimax specifically came out, and they were just like, "Hey, Elder Scrolls Online expansion. It's called Necrom." Um, but more importantly, if you want to get into the Elder Scrolls Online, they're like all the previous chapters and twenty DLCs are just going to be available for free. Like, come June 20th. That's wild. Basically, you're only going to be ever be buying and opting into the newest expansion. Okay. Oh, wow. They went with the, the Destiny model. Yeah. Okay. And they're just like, do it. And uh, in their presentation, if you're into Elder Scrolls Online, they're bringing back a... I don't have the name of the city on hand. I'm sorry about that. I want to see it came from either Daggerfall or Morrowind. Yeah, one of those. Like, I can't it, it was one of those, too. And they were just like, yeah, we're bringing back like this this one area that like nobody's remembered for like, you know, 25 years. Uh, And, you know, give it to the Elder Scrolls Online. You can sit there and say like, oh, well, you know, it's just another shitty MMO, blah, blah, blah. Elder Scrolls Online is actually one of the most popular MMOs out there. It's it's it's, it's one of the big ones. It's just not WoW and it's not Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, it's one of the survivors. And I wouldn't be surprised if it overtook WoW before long because... People are actually still excited to play Elder Scrolls Online. Right. Um, yeah. And they do content drops a lot. They do. Yeah. And, and them switching to this model actually makes me pretty excited for them because, I mean, yeah. hopefully they get more characters. I like that the... It feels a little bit like nature has healed when I think about the landscape of MMOs today, because, I mean, back when WoW blew up, every company Everybody. was through the ring. We're going to make an MMO. We, indie companies were trying to make MMOs. First time game developers would post on fucking, you know, the something awful forums or Reddit saying, I have a really great idea for an MMO. Can someone help me make it? And everyone going, oh, my sweet summer child. Do you not know what goes into that? <laughs> yeah. But now we have like less than a handful mm-hmm. and that's pretty much all the room there is for mmos in the gaming industry and yeah. i think a lot of other game genres that people keep trying to force out of their butts could take a real lesson from knowing about genre saturation in your medium yeah it's understandable but yeah excited even though i'm not playing elder scrolls online if you're not if you're a fan the, the whole update looks awesome it, it does, really yeah. does it looks like more elder scrolls and it'll be a while until the next you know yeah, elder scrolls. Six, you know yeah, it, six, it, it won't be until way after starfield so let's talk about the final game that was shown because this is the big one yeah it was arcane austin of course our local arcane yeah hometown brag they showed off Redfall, which is a game that we were both really excited for. Yeah, Red- have been. Redfall is a story-driven shooter. Um, each hero has very unique, unique abilities. Um, it is the town of Red Paul- Redfall that has been taken over by vampires. They have blocked out the sun, and vampires are running amok all over the city, as well as cultists who are obsessed with the vampires. So you have some humans to fight, some vampires to fight. Um it has each of the characters, much like the uh, Borderlands series, has unique abilities. Right. Um, you have a skill tree for each of them. Um, when we first saw Redfall, everybody's opinions, even if you go back and read like online opinions from like game people who write about the games industry, they were all like, oh, yeah, like this looks like Left 4 Dead with vampires. That was kind of the thing that was being said. But like nobody corrected them about that. Mm-hmm. They were just like, OK, sure. Yeah. Left 4 Dead. Vampires. Yeah, it's a great comparison. Right. I don't want to like, you know, not let you say that. Right. But then we watched the trailer and got the full story of Redfall. And I got to the end of that and I went. This isn't Left 4 Dead. No. 
this is Far Cry multiplayer. Yeah, it felt a lot more like, like, like when you meet a real vampire, like, like it's going to be like a struggle. Yeah, you know, like, like you're not, you know, murdering and machine gunning down hordes of vampires. Right. You know, they're not zombies, and them not playing like zombies, I think, is actually going to be a real strength of the game. Mm-hmm. I hope it is. But this idea that you're in this consistent world that's open and you can go anywhere on the map that you want. And there are there are hubs where you can talk to people, get quests. They'll be like, hey, come and fix this thing, do this thing to like help everybody out. It is very much Far Cry, but in a not boring way. Not that if you like Far Cry, I'm, I just I cannot get into them. I try. Yeah, no, the, the open world thing. I mean, so how do I put this? Um, Far Cry 1 and 2 are very weird niche games and their products of their oh, time. Three. Uh, 3 was a, a phenomenal departure and really kind of cemented itself in yeah. like the Ubisoft formula. Yeah. And then all of the ones after that were the exact same game three. again. Yeah, yeah they, they were just three. And so, but, but that being said, I, you know, going around the world of Far Cry and, you know, taking over bases and reclaiming assets and like, there's, there's fun to be had there. Oh yeah. Especially in multiplayer. But, but you tell me we're going to give you this open world and it's going to have story for you to get into and it's going to have multiplayer and it's going to have character progression and grab your friends, pick a class, level your character up and go kill some fucking vampires. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. I'm in. Oh yeah. It seemed like your character was very customizable, different power sets. Uh, All the weapons seemed like they were customized Mm -hmm. out the ass. Uh, Here's a gun. Here's an assault rifle. Here's like the 20 different versions of stakes that you get attached to. Here's a rotating stake launcher that fires like a minigun. You know, here's the weird laser. I don't know Mm -hmm. why there's a laser, but there's lasers. Yeah, I'm into it. Everything about Redfall, I just went, please put that in my face now. Yeah. And all these things did get dates. I mean, we, we, we got May 2nd for uh, Redfall, uh-huh. uh, June 20th for The Elder Scrolls Online. Today for Hi-Fi Rush. The Minecraft Legends, April 18th. Yeah. They were just like, here it is. The only one that didn't have a date was Forza, but they were like, we're just, got, we got to put some polish yeah, on it, guys. Yeah, don't, don't worry. Well, they, it, it'll come out. Like, it, don't it, worry it, about it. It's 2023. And honestly, Forza games tend to come out around, you know, November anyway. I think so, yeah. So, yeah, it kind of fits the schedule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, Redfall. Redfall is one of those games that oh, it's going to be yeah. like... That, that's going to be May 2nd on like PC, on my Game Pass. Just yeah. like, let's load it up, let's go. Fucking go. Like, yeah. who, who wants to join us in killing some fucking vampires? Because oh, I am so into this. Yeah. Redfall, Arcane Austin. I just, I love them. Especially because we, I do follow a lot of people from Arcane Austin. And a lot of them have very good things to say about their company. It's true. They, they say they very much praise and they're like the working conditions here are kind of groovy guys and when I hear that I'm like I will back your company yeah very you, true you tell me you're being treated your employees are being treated well by all means I will fucking support you and that is everything that we have for the show this week don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg to become a patron of our show you can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as talk to me directly at gnggcast on twitter Feels good to be back doing a normal show, Hector. It really does. It feels great. I, I wanted to say one last thing about this. The, the, another, uh, the, my final thought that I had yeah. about about the showcase mm-hmm. was when it was over and I went back and I looked through my Game Pass trying to find, you know, Hi-Fi Rush so I could download it and play it. I... I have thought to myself, you know, I've played and have installed on Game Pass now more really good and meaningful games to me that I've played 
since like what was it like November of the year before last when yeah. I got my PlayStation Five. Yeah. Than I have on my PlayStation Five. I can count all of the games I played on my PlayStation Five that I love that I had to play on one hand. Mm-hmm. I don't. It might not even take all five fingers. I I have played at least three times that many games on Game Pass for ten dollars a month. It would take me forty five months to 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 pay what I paid for my PS Five before right. I bought games to play these games. Game Pass has become far and away the best deal in gaming, and that is how Microsoft got me. The eminent Sony fanboy, I'm never giving up my Game Pass. This shit is great, and Hi-Fi Rush is amazing. Go download it right now. Do it. All right. Until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.